Compass Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. A president steps down. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Nicole Murray. On this Wednesday, January 3rd, glad you could be with us. Here's what we have for you this hour. Harvard is changing leaders after the resignation of school president Claudine Gay, who's faced mounting criticism on two major issues. Illegal crossings have dropped lately, so border officials are reopening four legal entry points in Texas, Arizona, and California. The Trump campaign is asking a court in Maine to reverse a recent decision to remove him from the presidential ballot. And the likelihood that you're still eating too much sugar. Nutrition researchers are really focused on these added sugars because the things like fruits and dairy products, you know, these also contain things that people need, nutrients, fiber, stuff like that. And most Americans aren't eating enough of those foods anyway. So that's really why there's this focus on added sugar. Andrea Peterson at the Wall Street Journal on the sneaky way added sugars make their way into our diets. Under enormous pressure following her response to anti-Semitism on campus and growing allegations of plagiarism, the president of Harvard University has resigned. Claudine Gay stepped down yesterday, weeks after criticism over her initial response to Hamas's attacks on Israel back in October and early December comments at a House committee hearing that equivocated on whether calling for the genocide of Jewish people violated the campus code of conduct. Members of Congress tried to take credit for Ms. Gay's resignation, like Republican Elise Stefanik of New York. I believe these university presidents sit atop these institutions that have rotted out and have institutionalized anti-Semitism, particularly after Hamas's terrorist attack against Israel in early October. The House committee, by the way, has said it's continuing to investigate how universities have addressed the harassment of Jewish students. Only on the job since July, Gay follows Liz McGill at the University of Pennsylvania in resigning, following an appearance in front of Congress to discuss anti-Semitism on campus. The Israeli military is believed to be behind a targeted attack on a Hamas gathering in Lebanon that's killed at least seven members of the terrorist organization, including high-profile leader Salah al-Arori. We get more from this morning's Mike Gavin. Confirmation of the attack and Al-Aruri's death comes from Lebanese and Palestinian officials. Powerful blasts rocked a Beirut neighborhood early last evening, resulting in the deaths of Al-Aruri and others. He's believed to be the mastermind of Hamas's attack in southern Israel in early October that killed 1,200, mostly civilians. Israel's leaders have vowed to go after all Hamas leaders involved in the October massacre, and yesterday's attack appeared to be the first deadly campaign effort outside the Gaza Strip. Gordon. Thank you, Mike. The attack had immediate implications on Israel's efforts to secure the release of more than 100 hostages captured in the October attacks and still being held by Hamas. Egypt says Hamas now has put an indefinite hold on negotiations. U.S. border officials are reopening four legal U.S.-Mexico border crossings tomorrow. They say high levels of illegal immigration have receded, which has in turn freed up personnel. U.S. border authorities struggled in December to process migrants as apprehensions reached nearly 11,000 in a single day. Reuters says an average of 6,400 migrants per day were arrested over the past week, a steep decline from the levels before Christmas. The report also says at least one U.S. official cautioned that migrant crossings have historically dropped between Christmas and New Year's. Meanwhile, New York City Mayor Eric Adams wants to add trains and planes to his executive order limiting migrant buses arriving in the Big Apple. 
This is new territory, and we are looking um, over every authority that we have. New York City is trying to stem the flood of asylum seekers now flocking in on New Jersey transit trains, buses, and Ubers. Now your ideas don't have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas, loves expanding your business, evolving your passions. We push what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at dell.com slash welcome to now. That's dell.com slash welcome to now. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Wednesday with President Biden and former President Trump both deeply unpopular. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is trying to be what many voters say they want, and that's something different. But is there a path for a third party candidate? Eliza Collins, national political reporter at The Wall Street Journal, has attended some rallies to see what voters are saying. Eliza, what have you found? So I went out and talked to a RFK rally. I've covered him on and off since he first announced. But it, the context I had this time was a Wall Street Journal poll. What this poll is really quite dismal for Biden. It's his lowest numbers we've seen of his presidency and approval. The voters also don't like Trump. And so we've, we've seen this. We hear it when we talk to voters out um, in battleground states. They just are not excited about a rematch between the two. But what really struck me with RFK supporters is how many people voted for one of the two, Trump or Biden, in 2020, and say they won't do it again. And that matches with her polling, which had almost one-fifth of voters say they will support a third-party candidate. Now, that could absolutely change as we get closer. That's not enough to win an election. Third-party candidates do not have a history of winning. But it is enough to change tight margins in battleground states. Mm. I'm located in Arizona. It was decided by 10,000 votes. So a third-party candidate could absolutely influence that. And RFK Jr. is the biggest recipient of those voters. He was 8% in our poll. Again, not enough to win, but a sizable chunk in a really tight election. All right. So does his campaign have to, I guess, logistically do a lot of work here because to to appear on a ballot, right, in in a particular state is not always easy. Right. And that's what they're doing. So if you become the nominee for the Democratic Party or the Republican Party, you get to run on that party line. You have to go through the primary process, but then it's easy. If you're an independent candidate, you need to follow each state's individual rules. And there are a lot of them. And they're really different. So when I saw... Kennedy most recently, he was in Utah, which is not a competitive battleground state. It's a Republican-leaning state. And I was like, what is he doing here? Um, Well, he was there to collect signatures. That was the first state that he could appear on the ballot. So outside, his campaign was walking through collecting signatures from voters. He has to do that all across the country. And different states have much higher margins. Some states require a running mate to appear on their ballot. Oh, wow. So that's really the focus of his campaign right now is just even getting on the ballot. So there's absolutely a chance he doesn't appear on every state, though his campaign says he will, and that's their focus. We're speaking with Eliza Collins, national political reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Her story is called Voters Want Something Different. Is it RFK Jr.? All right, so where do his supporters go if 
he does not appear on a particular state's ballot. So that's really what we're trying to get at, because often independent candidates poll higher ahead of an election than how they actually vote when it comes down to seeing the really competitive election, say it's Trump and Biden, as we expect it to be, voters may actually come home. Um, So some voters I talked to, particularly people from competitive states, were really aware that their vote could matter. And, you know, I said, if voting for RFK means the candidate you don't want wins, would it stop you? And in some of these battleground states, people said, you know, no, I really dislike Trump. So if vote for RFK meant Trump won, I would vote for Biden. Or I really dislike Biden. So if a vote for you know, meant Biden won, I wouldn't do it. But there were a whole bunch of voters who said, no, I'm sticking with it. I voted for the person I wasn't excited about in 2020, and I regret it. So it's a real mix. And something really interesting about RFK and the voters he pulls from is he pulls from both sides. So it's a real mix of people who back Trump in 20 or Biden in 20. It's not one side or the other. He had initially run as a Democrat in the Democratic primary and ultimately dropped out. He wasn't gaining enough support there. But he's a member of, you know, the most famous Democratic part, uh, family in history. Yeah. And he's running as an independent. But speaking of that, did you say in your story that, that like, even some of his siblings don't want him to run? Yeah. So um, that has been happening all along. But after he announced he was going to run as an independent, several of his siblings came out and said, you know, this is dangerous for the country. They didn't want him to run. They disagreed with that. And they're concerned, These, you know, this is a Democratic family. They want Biden to be able to win again and beat Trump. Thanks, Eliza. Eliza Collins, national political reporter at The Wall Street Journal. By the way, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has collected enough signatures to appear on the 2024 presidential ballot in Utah, the first state where the independent candidate has qualified. 20 minutes now after the hour on This Morning, America's First News. Here's Nicole Murray. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Harvard President Claudine Gay has announced her resignation after just six months into her tenure, the shortest of any president in Harvard history. Gay's withdrawal comes after accusations of plagiarism in her academic work and backlash over her response to an increase in anti-Semitism on her campus. New York Congresswoman Elise Stefani comments on Fox News. They should have found out that there were 50 credible allegations of plagiarism. And the fact that the Harvard Corporation, we now know, knew about that before the congressional hearing and tried to cover it up and threaten media outlets to sue them is a disgrace. Gay was Harvard's first black president and second female president. The university's chief academic officer will serve as interim president. Number two. The FBI says there is no evidence of terrorism in the deadly New Year's Day crash involving an SUV filled with gas containers. The 35-year-old driver, Michael Avery, plowed through pedestrians and crashed into another vehicle, killing two people and injuring at least nine others. Rochester Police Chief David Smith on the investigation. We've not been able to identify that there was anyone else involved in the crime or that it was part of a larger plot. Additionally, we have not uncovered any information leading us to believe that the actions of Michael Avery on New Year's Eve 
were motivated by any form of political or social biases. Avery's family says they believe he was suffering from undiagnosed mental health issues. He died Monday night from his injuries. Number three. New York Mayor Eric Adams plans to add trains and planes to the executive order passed last week to control the surge of migrants to the city from Texas. Buses have been evading rules of the order by dropping migrants off in New Jersey with a one-way ticket to Penn Station. Mayor Adams slams Texas Governor Greg Abbott on the continued stream of migrant bus and plane arrivals. We're dealing with a person who just wants to disrupt. This is not about raising the attention on an issue. This is a mean-spirited way of using people and disrupting uh, municipalities. Originally, Mayor Adams ordered solely limited bus transport, saying companies must give City Hall 32 hours notice before migrants' arrival, and they can only be dropped off at West 41st Street between 8.30 a.m. and 12 p.m. A Florida woman has filed a lawsuit against Hershey, the peanut butter treats parent company, for falsely advertising its holiday treats to have cute decorative designs. Cynthia Kelly says the peanut butter pumpkins, for example, appeared as a carved pumpkin on the wrapper. She found nothing more than an undecorated lump of chocolate inside. Kelly is suing Hershey for $5 million in damages. All right. Thank you, Nicole. For all the ones who get it done, Granger is always there to help. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, 24-7 support, free access to product specialists, and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Plus, they provide real-time product availability online and have sourcing specialists who can help you track down hard-to-find items. And their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call 1-800-GRANGER, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Glad you're with us. Some companies are offering their workers an added incentive to leave. For example, Citigroup is offering to pay some staffers a portion of their bonuses early if they agree to depart as executives continue with the restructuring of the Wall Street giant. Analysis from Julie Bauke, career expert we know as Julie on the job. Julie, what's going on? Companies are endlessly creative when it comes to thinning the herd at work. And, you know, there's, so I think there's, there's this idea that, look, if we can, if people were thinking of quitting anyway, how can we provide an incentive that sort of gives them the kick in the seat of the pants if we need to reduce the workforce? So we might say, look, we know we're going to have to reduce the workforce in our marketing department by 20% next year. So what if we offer an out package? What if we offer something that gives people the runway to find what's next versus hanging on and hoping for the best. And so I might say, look, if you, if you, we're going to offer you this package where we'll continue your pay and your benefits for three to six months. And they'll do the calculation that says that's going to save us in the long run, that extra amount we're going to pay them to leave. And maybe we'll even give you a bonus at the end if you stay till then. So what they're trying to do is appeal to, the people who, frankly, were probably thinking of leaving anyway at some point, and they're just giving them a nudge. And what that does is it they position it or it can be positioned as a win-win. Now, look, you know, they, they went ahead and took the package. And so that then doesn't necessarily count in their layoff calculations. It's more of a we came to a mutually beneficial situation. Mm, okay. And frankly, if you were thinking it's time to change jobs in the new year anyway, it can be a really good deal for you. Yeah. We're speaking with Julie Bauke, career expert known as Julie on the job. We're talking about should you accept a bonus to quit early? Um, I mean, 
don't know. What do you factor in here if, if this uh, yeah. comes across your desk? Yeah. So here are the things that I would look at. First of all, what? step back. Step back or step above the offer. Don't let the offer be the only thing you're looking at. The first question is, you know, was I thinking of doing something different anyway? How happy am I where I am? What do I want to do next? So I think kind of a 30,000-foot view of your career and where you are is a great place to start. And if, and if you're thinking, yeah, you know, then it might be maybe what, what you do is you think about, do I start my job search early? The second thing I'd think about is you need to know what your marketability is. You need to know what is the demand for what you do in the market. And you can find that out by you know, cruising around on job boards, by looking on LinkedIn, by talking to some of the people in your network to figure out what's my marketability. So if you, for instance, are offered a three-month package to leave early, to bonus out, and maybe even a little bit more at the end, and you look at what it may take you to land something else, let's say you know there's not a, maybe a huge demand for what you do right now, or there's been layoffs in other industries of people just like you, that may not be enough to bridge the gap, yeah. but depending on your financial situation, it might still make sense. Thank Julie. Julie Bauke, career expert we know as Julie on the job. If you still have landline phone service, you may have noticed that your monthly bills have been skyrocketing. That's because the FCC no longer regulates copper lines, and phone companies are jacking up the price of their service. UMA, O-O-M-A, is an internet home phone service that lets you keep enjoying the safety and peace of mind of a home phone without paying an arm and a leg. In fact, with a one-time purchase of the UMA Tello, you get internet home phone service for free. All you pay are applicable taxes and fees. Unlike mobile phones, UMA has address-based 911, so dispatchers will know exactly where to find you in an emergency. And in the event 911 is called... UMA can send a text alert to loved ones. UMA even includes a free mobile app so you can take your home number on the go. And don't worry, you can keep your phone number for a one-time fee or get a new one for free. Setting it up is easy. It takes less than 10 minutes. Stop paying too much for home phone service. Visit UMA.com slash Gordon Deal today to get a special discount. That's UMA.com slash Gordon Deal. Advancing the conversation, identifying trends, and informing the world. This is America's First News, This Morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Wednesday, January 3. Gordon Deal, Nicole Murray, some of our top stories and headlines. Harvard's president steps down under pressure. A top Hamas leader killed by a targeted strike in Lebanon. U.S. reopening four border entry points after a drop in illegal crossings. More trouble for New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez, now accused of using his influence to help the government of Qatar. The Grambling women's basketball team last night defeated the College of Biblical Studies by 141 points, biggest margin in Division I history, and the New Jersey Twins who were born in different years. Their story in about 20 minutes. One of the best strategies for good health in the new year, reduce the amount of sugar you eat. It can be sneaky in how it slips into our meals, so here are some strategies to cut down from reporter Andrea Peterson at the Wall Street Journal. Andrea, set this up. There is a growing concern among public health officials and actually governments as well uh, about the amount of sugar that Americans eat. You know, the U.S. Guidelines recommend that Americans limit their consumption of added sugars to 10% of daily calories. The American Heart Association recommends a limit of only 6% of calories. But 
even while sugar overall sugar consumption has decreased in recent years, Americans still get on average about 13% of their da- daily calories from added sugars. And there's a distinction between added sugars and which are basically the stuff that's found in processed foods, things like sodas, cereals, yogurt, candy, and also honey and table sugar itself. And also, and, and sugar that's contained in foods naturally, things like fruit and dairy products. And nutrition researchers are really focused on these added sugars because the things like fruits and dairy products, um, you know, these also contain things that people need, nutrients, fiber, stuff like that. And most Americans aren't uh, eating enough of those foods anyway. So that's really why there's this focus on added sugar. And, you know, it's really interesting. There's a lot of activity lately. The Food and Drug Administration recently had a big um, uh, sort of meeting about how their strategies and how to encourage people to reduce the amount of added sugars in their diet. Several governments have put taxes on uh, sugar sweetened beverages. There's other countries that have actually warning labels when foods on foods that are high in added sugars. So there's definitely sort of a an overall effort uh, among governments and other sort of public health entities to encourage people to reduce the amount of added sugars in their diet. And Mm. the reason why is that there's just kind of a growing body of research showing a link between diets high in added sugars and negative health effects. Um, You know, everything, particularly things like obesity and type 2 diabetes. We're speaking with Andrea Peterson, health reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Her piece is called, You're Probably Still Eating Too Much Sugar. All right, so you pointed out some strategies for reducing the amount of that added sugar intake. What can we do? Right. Well, first of all, the one easy thing to do is look at the label on products that you're going to buy. Now, the Food and Drug Administration now requires food manufacturers to list actually the amount of added sugars in products on a separate line on the nutrition label. And so that is, and, and, but, and it's usually written in sort of grams and then also a percentage of the daily recommended limit. Um, but one researcher I talked to had a really great, because I, I think a lot for a lot of people, like X grams of sugar doesn't necessarily mean anything. Yeah, exactly. But what she does is she visualizes the amount of sugar in actual teaspoons of sugar. And so the general rule of thumb is that four grams of sugar equals about a teaspoon. So if you're going to pick out a yogurt that has 16 grams of added sugars, that's four teaspoons of sugar. Oof, and yeah. this Dr. Kenny, this researcher at, um, who told me about this, she said that you know she asked herself, like, would you add that much sugar to something you're going to make yourself? Add that four <laughs> teaspoons of sugar, yeah. and you know, often the the answer is no, you wouldn't. So, so that is something that I think helps can help people, uh, you know, really be able to understand how much how much sugar they they might be potentially consuming. Yeah, I like and that. And the thing is, and there's and there's different you know different brands have different amounts of added sugars, and so you can. You can really um, kind of, if you look at the label, visualize it in teaspoons. It can help you make swaps. Okay. Um, finish up, if you would, like, how do sweeteners factor in? So, yes. I mean, there are non-sugar sweeteners, but the researchers I talked to said that there's really, and those are an option, but uh, that there's not great long-term data on what the a, a diet's high in those 
um, artificial sweeteners, what those might, um, the potential health impacts of those. So, so that was sort of a kind of a cautionary note um, on, on those. Thanks, Andrea. Andrea Peterson, health reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Again, every four grams of added sugar is equal to a teaspoon of sugar. Today's mic drop is brought to you by Dell. For your small business needs, call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. By the way, I have I I just just figured it out. How we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna give you like an official intro. I I have it in my mind. Okay. I have music in mind. Ooh. And and a call. Okay. Like like an like an announcer call. <laughs> I figured it out. That would be uh, cool. Like like you 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 have we have faced the pressure from social media to give you. Like an official intro, right? Some kind of music or something. So I'm gonna do yeah. like an official. I, I have it in my mind. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna work with it. Work on it with Dave. Okay. And see if we can piece it together. Oh, that'd be cool. I, I, I have an idea in my mind. Exciting for 2024. Right? I know. Let's this is breaking news right now. <laughs> New intro All right. for the mic drop. Here's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, it's a fairly common occurrence that I'll find a story about someone taking a lot of time doing something unproductive, and Gordon will ask whether this person has a life of any kind, a job, a family, a hobby, that would be a better way to spend their time. Here's one to add to that list. A Florida city's display of millions of twinkling, twinkling white lights is being targeted by pranksters who hide colored bulbs among them. The night, the night of lights in St. Augustine illuminates the city's downtown from November 18th to January 28th, and is maintained by a local company. The company regularly hides a red bulb and a green bulb among the millions of twinkling white lights each year, but the team's leader says about 150 colored bulbs with mysterious origins have been identified this year. The company simply removes the illicit bulbs and replaces them with clear ones to match the display, and the motive behind the prank, like the bulbs, is unclear. Mm, they remove the illicit bulbs. <laughs> the illicit bulbs. <laughs> yes, I think they're actually kind of taking it up, you know, kind of all in good stride. Yeah. But I mean, there's a, a lot of time and effort that I assume has to go in I to agree. walking around and checking and making sure all these yeah. bulbs are the right color. Yeah. 150 color bulbs have been swapped out. Right. Yeah. That's a lot. That's it's a, a lot of work. It's a lot. Said. And they also said if they didn't do this regularly, like half of them would be replaced within four weeks. Like <laughs> people just continuously doing this That's all funny. the time. It's like a full time job to yeah. maintain this thing. Illegal. Yeah. But sort of acceptable on the prank scale right. of wrongness or right, whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 The, the mischief scale is yeah. you know, it's within acceptable levels. You're not going to have the cops most likely showing up right. at your house with, for this kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. I mean, could you get a ticket, I guess, if you get busted I mean, or summons, you know, pay a fine, maybe, but, you know. Technically, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the holiday season may be over, but that just means it's time for everyone's second favorite time of the year pothole season. This is the time every year that at least one pothole somewhere in the country gets famous, drawing much needed attention to the problem by city officials. New for 2024, a city in Michigan said efforts are underway to have a pothole repaired after a recliner placed in the large hole led to an entire living room scene being set up outdoors. The pothole in Grand Haven went viral online after someone placed a leather recliner in the hole and local resident Corey Denny shared photos of it online. Shortly thereafter, the chair vanished with the city denying that it had anything to do with its disappearance. Undaunted, the chair was soon replaced with a blue armchair, and locals added furniture to the scene until it was a full outdoor <laughs> living room. Visitors posing for photos with the pothole this week said they came from neighboring towns miles away to see the viral celebrity. The city, the director of the city's public works department said the hole is on a private road, so it's not responsible for filling it. Mm. However, a city council member said in a Facebook post that the city's in contact with the property owner about having the hole repaired. Okay. Again, 
mm-hmm. not legal, but probably pretty low on the wrongness scale. What setting in up a living of, room in terms of, of pothole? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That's this, this. This is great. Yeah, <laughs> nobody should ever get a ticket for something like this. They are very funny. Thank you, Mike. Now your ideas don't have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas, loves expanding your business, evolving your passions. We push what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at dell.com slash welcome to now. That's dell.com slash welcome to now. Thanks for spending time with us. The four best money moves for January is pieced together by money.com. Number one, update your budget. Try to account for costs that are likely to change in the new year. Even though inflation is edging down, some essentials like insurance will probably get more expensive. Number two, check in with your retirement savings. A new law is in place. Check to see if your employer is adding the new student loan match, which will allow you to turn your student loan payments into retirement savings. Number three, no-brainer, pay off holiday credit card debt. Number four, watch out for tax documents. At the start of every year, your employer is supposed to send you important tax docs, namely the wage and tax statement known as Form W-2. Eight minutes now in front of the hour on This Morning. Once again, here's Nicole Murray. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Top Hamas leader Salah al-Arori has been killed in a drone Israeli strike on Lebanon's capital yesterday. Palestinian and Lebanese security sources say this increases the potential risk that war in Gaza will spread beyond the enclave. Arori is the first senior Hamas political leader to be assassinated since the onset of the Israel-Hamas war. This news comes after Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said the war with Hamas will not stop until they are defeated. Number two. The Biden administration will reopen four legal border crossings at, at the Mexico border. Operations in Lukeville, Arizona, Eagle Pass, Texas, San Diego, California, and Nogales, Arizona will resume on January 4th after a decrease in migrants in the last few days. This news comes as the Biden administration filed an emergency application to the U.S. Supreme Court to allow U.S. Border Control to remove razor wire at the U.S.-Mexico border. Border Patrol was ordered to stop cutting razor wire after Texas sued last year, saying it destroys state property, undermines security, and assists migrants to illegally cross the border. Number three. Sherelle Parker has been publicly sworn in as the mayor of Philadelphia. Parker, who is the city's first female mayor, outlined her plan for her first 100 days in office during her inaugural speech. Parker signed three executive orders, the first declaring a citywide public safety emergency. We're going to make our city safe for the people who live here, who work here, and who come into our city from the suburbs and from across the country and from across the world. She also signed an order that demands government transparency and another that removes barriers to employment. Law enforcement has begun investigating the aircraft collision that took place at a Tokyo airport yesterday. A large passenger plane and Japanese Coast Guard aircraft collided on the runway and burst into flames, killing five people. One of the plane passengers spoke of her experience through a translator. I was shocked. You never know what will happen. There was an earthquake yesterday, too. Once I got here, there's the fire. You just never know. 
Law enforcement says this could possibly be a case of professional negligence. Is that week's vacation not long enough? Try the Royal Caribbean's nine-month-long Ultimate World Cruise. The massive global excursion set sail on December 10th from Miami and is expected to stop in seven continents, 65 countries, and over 150 ports. But it'll cost you the cheapest package is 60 grand. Yeah, I'll pass. Thank you. A couple from New Jersey has welcomed a set of twins who were born not only on different days but in different years. Ezra Humphrey, born just before... New Year's Eve on 2023 at Virtua Voorhees Hospital in South Jersey. Fraternal twin Ezekiel, born a half hour later on New Year's Day 2024. Their mother, 34-year-old Eve, said she had gone to the hospital December 30th, but was sent home due to a false alarm. The next day she returned. She told husband Billy, happy birthday, my water broke. Billy Humphrey wrote on Instagram that his newborn sons are so special they couldn't even share being born in the same year. He told WABC Television the twin boys needed their own spotlight. That'll do it for this hour. For Nicole Murray and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.